I'm sitting in my closet for you. <laughs> Legit, I'm already in my clothes right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you're a real one. That is so fucking funny. Sitting around my hamper, bro. Right on my hamper. Uh, can I? Can I? Can this? Can that be your intro? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, that, that's the intro. Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's show, I have Jonah Jackson. Jonah's a good friend of mine. We went to Mercier's together. Uh, Jonah recently just graduated from Villanova Law School and is now on path to be a uh, high-profile bigwig attorney. Yeah, I, I, I had to I had to plug that for you. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jonah, my man, how we doing? I'm feeling good, Red. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's weird hearing people say that, right? Because I'm just like, no one fucking calls me I that. Call you, but when you called, when I've noticed it was realized uh, it was called everything, right? I was like, I usually call him John. So I, I can hit you. I can hit you, hit you with red if you want. So it's all good. Yeah, no, that, no, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> I, 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 I could do red. Um, so, you know, kind of, you know, touching base, giving a little context. You and I met because um, we had a lot of uh, classes together at Mercyhurst. Yeah. I was a political, I was a political science major. Were you a political science major too? I was. That My concentration was okay. IR. Yeah. Okay. So you were uh, political science with a concentration in international relations, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So Good times. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because when I had, when I had Diana on, I was she was always talking about she was just like, you know, she's like, it used to frustrate me having class with you because we would be doing these like hard ass assignments and you were just like never paying attention. (laughs) And I was just like, what the fuck is wrong with this kid? And before we started recording, I brought that up and you were just like, yeah, bro, you got like ADHD or something. (laughs) But the thing is, though, you always showed up for the big stuff. Like we went to the competition in Ohio for the model UN. It was nice to have you there because everyone I felt everyone else was so tightly bound about being there it was nice to have someone to kick back with and kind of just decompress which i think is always important and you, but you always and showed up you always did like did your job but you always made sure you had fun along the way which i appreciate about it, you yeah and, it, and it's funny because i actually um when we were doing those model un things everyone yeah. had like binders worth of notes and i yeah. really showed up i showed up with a sticky note <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I, I remember for one of the sessions, we walked out and we saw each other. We just started dying because we were both kind of just like out in the water. And all the kids, like you said, came with full on binders. I was like, oh, my God, I did not know it was going to be this intense. And we both kind of had a, had a laugh about it, which is really nice. I told what who was our professor's name? I, for, I forget. How I don't remember her. her name, but I just remember she was like East uh, European. She had like a kind of an accent and she was uh-huh. about the business like she was about making sure we were on top of everything and she did not play around, which was kind of intimidating, but, uh, it was, it was a good time. I know. I walked right up to her. Yeah. I think she was Ukrainian maybe. Yeah, probably. Something like that. But yeah, she was no bullshit. Like she's, she's one of the only professors that like struck fear in me. Yeah. And, and I remember walking up to her after the first session and she like looked at me like kind of like shaking her head because she was in there and I didn't say a word. Yeah. And she kept like looking at me like, yo. And I straight up said to her, I said, look, I said, I'll do my best, but um, I'm happy with the C. Yeah. She, just, like, <laughs> she didn't say nothing to me. She just turned around and walked away. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, she was she was tough. Uh, and I feel like I, I think just like being from Eastern Europe, man, it makes you make they make tough people out there. So. Yeah, but yeah. I and I kind of this is actually something I was going to ask you later, but I want to. Yeah. Um, 
I I feel as though, and I could be wrong. I'm not trying to speak for everyone. It's just like from things I observe. Yeah. I I genuinely believe that having teachers that are like her, yeah. that are no bullshit, like yeah. you get what you get, yeah. and not giving you any type of privilege. Like they I remember diamonds. I, yeah, and I told her I was just like, hey, I'm gonna miss a couple classes because of lacrosse, and yeah. she was like, okay, that's fine. Just yeah. uh, just understand that if uh, you don't do well on the test, I have no sympathy for you. She goes because. Uh, you know, education is more important than a sport. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't take it some type of way. I was just like, no, she's right. So yeah. like, I put her in the teachers that are like, no bullshit. You get what you get. I don't care mm-hmm. because she was in a weird way, like kind of uh, prepping us for the real world. And I yeah. genuinely feel that nowadays, a lot of kids don't like having teachers like that. I love having a tough professor because it forces me to rise to the challenge. And that's fundamentally mm-hmm. something I pride myself on is if I see a difficult task ahead of me, I know in the beginning I might fail at it and I'm willing to fail constantly, but I know each time I fail, I'm going to pick myself back up and I'm going to rise to the challenge and make sure I, I get better and better. And I, at professors like that, I was like, all right, bet I'm going to lock in. So I need, I need to know what I need to get done to accomplish this goal. Absolutely. And from your yeah. perspective, because everyone, everyone has a different um, perspective on it. What, yeah. Where do you think that fine line is between like, because I, I did not think that she was an asshole or anything like that. I no. thought she was a great professor. It was Heck just yeah. that I, I just fucked around way too much. So I didn't, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I, I don't even know. Whatever, but where <laughs> do you think that fine line is between um, someone's pushing you to be better yeah. or yeah. and they're just flat out an asshole? Yeah, I, I think you can tell it's very clear because one, when she talked to you, she's talking about how she found education important. She's not saying, oh, John, you just not, uh, you just, you're not important or put you down personally. So she saw potential mm-hmm. in you to, to do well in the class if you had the time to put towards the class. So I think that's where the mm-hmm. line is. If, if there's a clear intention, hey, I see potential in you doing well here, but if, if you don't have the time and resources to put in, then you won't. And so she was not making it a personal thing. And I think for me, I know a, a professor or a person is not being an ass to me when I can tell that they see potential in me and they just want to force that out and push me to do better. And it's all about just the language they use with you. Um, and and sometimes if you, feel, if you feel like they're trying to slight you, it might just be worth having a discussion like, hey, you said this and this. What are, you, what, what, like, what are your intentions in terms of what, what you said? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because then you're so then you're not operating on some false pretenses that the person might be trying to push you when in actuality they're not. So if if you can't tell, uh, I, I would say it's all about can you tell can you tell from the words they use that they're trying to p- push you to achieve your potential or sit down with them like yo, uh, what what's the deal? You know? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, and did you have Federici at all? I Fed was my man. I love Federici. Bro, I, he is the <laughs> no. Continue. Yeah, I was gonna say when when you we talked about like I think briefly about going to college and like finding yourself and it's such a cliche, but those four years were crucial uh, for me intellectually, personally, emotionally, all like across the board. And Federici, I think, was a cornerstone of my academic um, mature maturation and kind of finding myself intellectually. Uh, that man. And, and he, I don't know. I, that's all I have to say. Fat, if you hear this, just know you've been very important to the way I, the way I see the world. Because I think in those four years, the way I saw the world, the way I saw myself was formed. And without him, um, 
I can't imagine how, like my my outlook on life, how what would look like if I didn't meet him. Is, uh, where does he teach now? Uh, I think at... he teaches at uh, Middle Tennessee State University. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's what that's what I thought because I'm uh I gotta send that man an email because I would yeah. love. Oh yeah, he I I'm looking at it right now. It says uh, chair chair yep. of uh, chair of political science, Doctor yes. Federici. Yeah, I got to. Um, I wanna. I wonder if he would be interested in doing an episode because he that's would how, love that. Yeah, because honestly, like I, he was in. It's kind of funny because, um, and you know me, like we've had private conversations whether we're at the Stone or just kicking it and whatnot. Yeah. But like, um, shout out to the Stone, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> like Diana, like when I had Diana on, she was saying she goes, you know, like I'm not even gonna lie to you, John. She goes. I left Mercier's thinking you were one of the craziest motherfuckers I met, and, and she yeah. was, and I don't, and I didn't mean like in how you were on the weekends, like how you thought, and yeah. I was just like, <laughs> I, and she goes, but as I, she's just like, and you, and you left because you probably thought the same thing. She goes, but as I get like older and I'm in the real world and stuff, she's like, I realize like you're not that crazy, and and like you just in a different way, and like you make me think about things differently than most people would, and mm-hmm. how like when you're in college, everyone in that environment kind of thinks the same, the same way. Yeah. That's yeah, and it's like, and it's hard because, like, in the real world, people don't think like that. And yes. like, I kind of put it back to whole like we were talking about before we started recording about how I've had a lot of business mentors from you know such a such an early age that like they've opened my mind up to those type of things. And yeah. having where I credit Federici is when I took his class, he, we would be we would be doing like I I I've taken two different classes. That sticks out to me the most is con law. And yeah. when we took con law, we would be debating, um, we'd be debating like Supreme Court cases. And one of the big cases we did was Obamacare. Yeah. And he never graded you based on what he thought the answer was. He yeah. graded you based on how well you can articulate your point of view mm-hmm. and in a way think for yourself. Yes. And there would be kids that were writing papers that were like basically saying um, Obama's a dick. And then there's basically people writing papers that Obama's like, the, the best thing since sliced bread and <laughs> there'd be kids that got a's on both papers yeah and and when we would compare a lot of us were just like wait how is that even possible how are we yeah. gonna write two completely polar opposite papers yeah and we both get the same grade and then yeah. he kind of was like well what do you think yeah and we would ask him questions and he was just like well what do you think like yes. don't ask me yeah and so like like you said like i definitely say that he was a major major part in like one how i think and yeah. like my whole education experience as a whole yeah. A lot, lot of kids would be very fortunate to have a professor like him, if not him personally. Yes. Like, what do you think? What are your thoughts? What do you believe in? What motivates you? What pushes you? What what defines your worldview? It's something mm-hmm. that you don't really, like, As at a young age, you don't really start to think about it. But in college, if you're lucky enough to have professors that are not just trying to cram stuff into your head, but want to uh, push you to, you know, evolve yourself and start to really reflect, you are lucky and cherish those professors because some professors only see it as a job they, they're only there to teach you material and that's all they care about is do you get do you get the the correct answer blah 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 but if you have a professor that that sees that you know you're they want to make full human beings you know that's a mm-hmm. good thing yeah and i definitely think like um because i know like me and you like based on like subjects that like we've gone over in class like in political science and stuff like that that we've talked about like um, I think it also allows for um, dialogue between kind of like how me and you had of like where 
certain political topics we've talked about amongst each other and yeah. you've you've flat out been like yo i flat out disagree with you but i understand where you're coming from yes. we just come from we just come from two totally different perspectives yes. and live two totally different lives yeah. so even though what you're saying i completely disagree with i respect yes. and vice versa yes and i and think that what were you saying i was gonna say as to, to, to add to that point is that's the most democratic thing there is and then like in the name of democracy is having different ideas we can talk about them debate them and then we go from there we go from if we want to make a compromise and find a middle ground on an issue we go from there we, we can go, go find a compromise if an issue can't be comp- compromised on that's something else to go further on but uh i'm, I'm not sure if it takes going to, to college to to learn that but sometimes i feel as though that's the only environment where people are forced to wrestle with other ideas. And that sounds like so elitist, but I, I feel as though the environment that college creates is the, is the most fertile ground for that. Because at, in, in high school, kids aren't, aren't engaging each other about um, certain things and trying to uh, define themselves and think broadly. They're just trying to enjoy high school enjoy enjoy their lives but once you get to college you have that that space and time to say okay these are my beliefs i have a kid in my class that says this maybe i can engage that in a lesson with him and and kind of go from there so we can learn from each other and that's that's a fundamental tool for for a democratic nation for better citizens for better for a better world at that i'd, I'd say a hundred percent and like the thing is too is that like he taught the class in that way he was just like yes. yo if you guys are agreeing with each other, you guys are bullshitting each other. Yeah. That's not how the real world works at all. Yeah. Kind of funny because like the first school I was at before I transferred to Mercyhurst, I I would say like 98% of the school was all trust fund kids. And yeah. I just, I don't come from that. So like, I was just like, yo, you're, you, how you guys think about things and how you guys go about things is not how I go about things. We're just two totally polar opposite, but it's like, it's I, like an echo chamber. Exactly. And, be, and prior to going to that school, I didn't even know that that type of shit existed. As yeah. crazy as that sounds, like I knew, like there, I knew a trust fund meant, but I didn't yeah. know what like the actual like ecosystem and echo chamber of thought actually yeah. was. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. No, I got I, you. Yeah. So you know, and kind of going back to that, you know, rewinding a little bit. Yeah. What? Um. Where are you originally from? So I am an immigrant, uh, from St. Thomas, Jamaica. Moved to the United States when I was seven years old. Um, so I, I've, when I first came, uh, to the, the States, uh, it was like, uh, like I, I think a lot of my phases of my life is all about, uh, finding and redefining myself continually. So I moved here when I was seven and I, I felt, uh, you know, pulled between two countries because at seven years old, you're not really formed yet as like as your personality is not really formed yet. Your, your thoughts aren't really starting to begin to form yet. So I first saw myself as Jamaican moving to the States and then it gradually became, I'm a Jamaican American and then became like, now I see myself fully as Jamaican American, but more so American in ways that I can't even explain because my whole, my outlook on life fundamentally is, is, is bred through an American perspective now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of it. So when I, when you ask me where I'm from, when people ask me where I'm from, I always, I think I hedge my bet and I say Jamaican, but when they, then they say, no, where are you from in the States? And then I say, I'm from York, Pennsylvania. Um, but it's, it's just that, that question is always hard to answer because it's always trying to fundamentally define myself and where I see myself in the world. But I think more and more, 
Um, I do see myself as, as a Jamaican American, but fundamentally as an American, given the way I've lived my life. I didn't even know that you were from Jamaica. Yeah, bro. To be honest with you. No accent, huh? Just no accent. I came here when I was seven. I took extensive ESL classes because I had a thick accent. And coming, <laughs> like, coming, yeah. like, yeah, not, and I mean, a lot, some people might be like, whoa, why would you say that? But like, is it your stereotypical, like, Jamaican accent? I mean, I, I guess, because I mean, Jamaican, Jamaican accent, the Patois that, uh, that we speak is, uh, is a form of English, but it's the, uh-huh. it, the w- words just definitely pronounced differently. Like there's a lot of more hard A's and it makes, I think if people would listen to Jamaican speak, they could definitely understand it. Um, but I think in terms of moving here when you're seven years old, everyone kind of sounds and acts in a certain way. And there's this uh-huh. like implicit um, desire to want to uh, sound like everyone else. And I was like, I, I just want to, I'm seven years old. I, I just want to make friends and I want to be like everyone else in a, in a certain kind of way. I, I just, mm-hmm. I don't want to have, have, have everyone be like, Oh, you, you're from, you're from, you're not from here. Are you? So it, it made sense for me to um, kind of learn to speak differently. And the thing is in the beginning, I felt this need to sometimes switch between my, like my Jamaican accent, my Jamaican voice, I would say, and then like my American uh, accent. And it just became natural for me after a while to speak the way I'm speaking now became this became my voice and in a way like forcing myself to speak in my Jamaican accent became so foreign and it felt so forced in a way after a while because mm-hmm. I speak like I speak with Americans all the time so obviously this has become my dominant um, way of speaking and so I became like more of my natural um, inclination to speak like this and stuff Oh yeah, see, dude, yeah. I think that's I think that's sick as fuck. Because I I honestly, bro, I've known you for a couple. I've known you for years now, and we've had some pretty good deep convos between each other. And I that is not something I ever knew because it so, never came up before. Yeah, I mean, I I like to be a private person. So when you asked me fundamentally to even like do this podcast, I was like, John's my boy, and I want to uh, contribute to whatever he's doing. Like fundamentally, when when you uh-huh. asked me, I th- I thought that I was like, but also I was like. This is my story. I'm Jamaican. I'm Jamaican American. This is something that's fundamentally who I am. And me sharing it or not sharing, it's not going to change anything. So just ha- I just have to fundamentally own my story, be willing to tell it to other people. Because like we, like you kind of said uh, before the, we started the podcast, is that like some people don't know, a, don't understand a perspective because they're not exposed to it. They're not exposed uh-huh. to it. Or and also there might be some Jamaican American kid seven years moved here when he was seven years old that he doesn't see or she doesn't see people like her doing things that i'm doing right now and they need someone to represent that for them to say if he can do it i can do it and it's all for me it's kind of coming to the age is like i just want to own my story and be okay uh yes maintaining my privacy but being okay with sharing my story and um sharing a, a bit more of myself as i get older Absolutely. And I, and I, I love that. Cause like that, these are the type of conversations that I want, like that I'm aiming for on the podcast. But again, like, like you said, it's hard cause certain people don't want to open up, which yeah. teach their own. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because, yeah. um, because a lot of people don't know how to, well, what will one, and I'm not saying it might come off bad, but I'm not saying it in a bad way, but a lot of people don't know who the fuck they are. Yeah. You got to know who you are. It's not, no, you don't have to know who you are completely like fully, but be on the journey of like, like reflecting and thinking. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think that like, 
like, um, you know, we've talked about it before, like I've said, and I've mentioned it on podcasts before, like my mom had me when she was at 17. I've never met my dad, stuff yeah. like that. And I've had people been like, oh my gosh, like I couldn't imagine having a dad. And I'm like, yeah, and I couldn't imagine, <laughs> yeah. or no, I couldn't imagine not having a dad. And I'm like, yeah, and I couldn't imagine having a dad or I couldn't yeah. imagine what it's like to have siblings. Like, yes. And, and a lot of people like some way, sometimes are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, what's there to be fucking sorry about? Like, I, You hit it right legit, on the head right there. I, I'm like, what's there to be sorry about? I'm just like, look at, I'm like, when we became friends, and I'm not just talking about me and you, I'm just talking about like- Yeah, broadly. Like, broadly, yes. Like when we became friends, we started, you know, boozing it up, fucking doing whatever we do, fucking playing pickup basketball. That was not the intro to, hey, you want to be friends? It's yeah. like, we, we have a common ground. So it's yeah. like- I don't like to me and I'm I'm saying this cuz I genuinely don't know and I've said this before to some friends and a lot of people are like John come on don't be dumb you know why people do this and I genuinely don't like for me it's like okay it's who I am if, mm-hmm. if you can't if if that's not cool with you like okay then you really aren't meant to be yeah. one of my in my circle which I'm not saying that in like a go fuck yourself way I'm no. just saying that like we it's it's almost like in a way that we're so afraid to be judged that yes. it's like we kind of want to hinder what we allow people to see, which yeah. I'm a very, I'm very, I'm very open, but at the same time, I'm very private. Yes. And so it's like, but at the same time, like by how I look at it is like, I don't go around telling people like, Hey, I don't have a dad. I never had a dad. No, yeah. I'm, being 16. I'm not, no, dude, I'm not doing that. But it's yes. like when I say like intimate or deeper conversations with people and you really get to know people because i feel a lot of people have surface level relationships they don't really have like deep deep relationships which it i'm not saying you have to it's fine but when you really get into the nitty-gritty of like who a person is you realize like oh like i said before we started recording like oh we all have a story we all come from something that we may feel like I've never felt insecure about it, but we mm-hmm. may feel in some type of way insecure about it. And we're so afraid to be judged that mm-hmm. we kind of cultivate a personality and a personal self image of something that we don't even really like. Yeah. Gotta just be to, all the time. Yeah. Just to like fit in and try to be like, Oh, I'm accepted. But it's like, you don't even, you're not even accepting yourself. Like self. you being oh. like, like you being like, I'm from Jamaica. Like wh- I'm Jamaican. Yeah. Like, like i think that's dope whereas some people i'm sure are like i don't want to say i'm jamaican because i don't want people to think i'm not american it's like who gives a fuck if someone yeah. has a problem with it then they ain't your friend to begin with yeah so i think i, I think i, I want to add two things to what you said and it's the first thing is i think speaking from my perspective i'm not sure if we get into this more but like my story is is not linear in the traditional sense of like you know two-parent household all that stuff kind of like yours and for mm-hmm. me, for a while, I felt ashamed that it wasn't the conformity to parent household, picket fence, all that stuff that people imagine. And I, so I didn't want to open myself up to let people know that about me. And so this cloud of shame kind of kind of just hangs over your hang over, hung, hung over my head. And I was like, dang, it's it's limiting my ability to be connected to people. And it's exhausting to try to, like, hide the fact that I don't have that same thing as them and it's not until recently that i was like it's just i'm tired it's exhausting let me let me just like put the guard down it's okay like 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 i said it's a continual process of learning to just define and accept yourself for who you are um and so that takes time and i and i I, something i've realized and some people never get there and some people are on the journey there and some people already there so i commend everyone uh, where they are in in that process 
then the second thing is so 50 cent i saw a video of 50 cent um talking i think it was on the breakfast club i was just about to say that yes about how he doesn't hang around the people he has to be defensive around and i was like whoa 50 is still his, it's only 50 cents but he's dropping dimes out here so that's crazy um and i was like that makes sense if i have to be defensive around you that's not a friendship that i want i, I don't want to feel as though i've got to watch everything i say in my p's and q's i i want to be able to be jonah the way I, Joan, I want to be like, I, I want to be, if that's a friendship that I want, I don't want you around me. I don't want to be defensive at all. So uh, I'm realizing more and more if I feel that way around people, like you have to, when you're hanging around with people to step back and, and reflect about the interaction you're having, you feel as though you have to be uptight around them. You don't want that. You don't want that friend group. You don't need those people in your life. So no, not 50 cents is dropping dimes. Wise man, 50, as he gets older, 50 cents get becoming more and more wise. So that's yeah, it. and I uh, I have something about that that episode I'm gonna bring up later when we start talking about like things you would have wish you learned in school and shit like that. Um, but no, I think and again I think it also kind of like you know kind of we'll get, we'll touch on this last and I'd like you to finish it off once I once I finish. But I think that um, I've been as I get older I realize like I've been so fortunate and blessed to have the uh, the mother that I have because. Yeah. When I first was like, I came to her, I, I don't even remember how young I was, but I was just like, hey, mom, like, how come all my other friends have two parents? Mm-hmm. And she was like, all right, well, I'm gonna let you in. Um, well, for one, like, she, we had this conversation the other day, just to give a little context. Like, she yeah. told me, we were talking about something, and I said to her, and I, I said this to other friends, too, and they completely agree. I said, I would rather grow up not having a father, not knowing who he was, than to have two parents, them be divorced, and then the parents hate each other. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people that have that. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck that noise. I nah, that ain't me because that is that that obviously takes a toll on you. And especially if you're just like, if you want to be like, hey, mom, guess what I did with dad today? And like, she hates dad and vice versa. You know what I mean? You'd be a different um, person if that were the uh, case. A hundred percent. And so like my mom told me that she was like and she got a lot of backlash from, you know, not not my family, but like people that she was friends with at the time. And she was like, OK. When I I had to make the decision when you were like one or two years old, do I try to fight to get him to be involved and Mm -hmm. drag you through that? Mm. Or do I make the decision of, no, we're not doing this. I'm not having him grow up and having him have these potential problems. I'm going to make sure that he has the best life possible yeah i'm not i'm not doing that back and forth bullshit like if you don't want to be here then bye out you go and she's always she's always raised me in the sense of like as an adult like the first time i questioned it she told me like like she told me what she could tell me but then as i got older she would let me know more and more and more and she kind of like like baby stepped my way into the reality of what it was so like kind of going back to my original point she was like, you know, when I first, she would be like, Hey, like, you, you, can I tell you something? But you got to promise me you don't repeat it. And I'm like, yeah. why? And she's just like, the cool kids only have one parent. And I was like, wait, so I'm cooler than all my friends. And she's Aww. like, yeah, but, but you can't tell no one that like it's yeah. like between me and you thing. So like, kind of like how Gary V talks about how his parents instilled so much self-esteem in him. Yes. My mom did that to me. So that like when I did go to school, I was mm-hmm. never afraid of being different. I yeah. was never afraid of like, oh, OK. So like and and that's kind of like and, and it might make sense to you now where I like I do some of the things I do where a lot of people are like, John, what the fuck you're doing? And I'm like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just like and it's in 
kind of like touched on a little bit is like my grandma for Christmas got me a pair of tie dye Crocs. Yeah. My boy, my boy Tyler texted me the other day because I sent him a Snapchat of me wearing the Crocs and he texted me. He's like, bro, burn those fucking things. Like, do not come. <laughs> he goes, do not come near me wearing those things. He's like, if you come visit me and you're wearing those, he yeah. goes, we're, we're not going out. Like, <laughs> I refuse to go out with you. And I'm like, motherfucker. I'm like, it's what I like. So fuck Hell off. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I, again, and you know, I kind of want to get you to touch on this a little bit is that I feel as though, and again, that it's, I'm making it sound like it's super easy. It's no, not, it's not but easy. But a lot of people, a lot of people, I feel as though like are so like are trying to fit in so much that mm-hmm. they're just like, they don't even like what they're trying to fit in for. And then it yes. gets to a point where they just want to break those chains yeah. and then they have to go start from square one again and yeah. square one again is so far yeah that they really just lose themselves and it's kind of yeah. like i'll leave it i'll leave i'll pass it to you on this uh it's kind of like um in the song i believe it's views by drake he always yeah. says like why would you try to fit in when you're custom made yeah we're and the thing is we're all we're all so different and we can be and 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 there's sometimes we're not different and that's fine but we're all individuals like that word fundamentally means that we're unique uh, you know what i mean like, mm-hmm. there's no there's no way that we're all going to be the same and i think sometimes society kind of feeds us that we have to fit a mold for us to be happy um and we don't we can all charge our chart our own path um mm-hmm. but i think the thing you, you've kind of hit on most is those people that do feel, feel the need to fit in in some degree they don't have that individual that other person giving them a positive self-regard, letting them know, hey, you're the cool kid, like your mom did. Like, shout out to your mm-hmm. mom for doing that. Like, for me, that was my grandmother. Like, I could do mm-hmm. no wrongs in her eyes, and everything I did, she praised. And I, I, if it were not for her, I think I'd also be a different person. And so it's having those people, and she was also herself a proud Jamaican. She had no, she, to my grandparents, um, they moved, came here in the 70s, and her whole goal in life was she came here to work, but she was going to go back home and live her life as a Jamaican. Like, and so seeing that pride in her made me prideful about being Jamaican as a core and that yes, wanted to change and assimilate and become an American. But I had already had a good foundation with her. Uh, and so I had, I had that positive self-regard so I could add, add that building block to the end, go from there. So, but mm-hmm. some people don't even have that person to say, Hey, at least you have this to start from. Some people just have, have, have scratched. They have, they have, they have nothing. Mm-hmm. So no, completely. Having, having people there as, as as the foundation that feeds you positivity and builds you up and lets you know, hey, you're worthy, you're unique, you're special is is really is really important. A hundred percent. Now, you know, kind of tying it all back. I know we're been a little bit all over the place, but yeah. Um, after you graduated uh, Mercyhurst, yeah. you you went to you went to Villanova Law School. Did yeah. was did, was Villanova like you just wanted to stay home? I, well, not home because yeah. it's in Philly, but like, did you want to stay in the state of Pennsylvania because Mercyhurst is in Pennsylvania and you're yeah. originally from York, Pennsylvania? Yeah. Or did you just go with like the best offer that you got out of school that you applied for? It was a mix of a lot of things. Uh, so I applied to, I think I pr- I had applied predominantly to to uh, Pennsylvania schools because I knew that I'd get in state tuition. Even though it's uh-huh. like it's still graduate school, but you get like you get better. I'm pretty sure you get better uh, benefits if you're from in state. So I was like, let me let me try to be economical about this. Um, but also, when I visited Villanova, I was like, it felt similar to Mercyhurst, so it felt already like I was already home in a way. Like I said, when I went to Mercyhurst, I, it felt as though I I made a home there, and so I was looking for some place where I felt as though 
already had prior success in the environment. So let me go uh, some places closely similar to that. And that was Villanova. And I have no regrets about, about doing that. Um, so yeah, so it was a mix of things. Being close to New York, being close to family was very important. Um, and it all just worked out. Uh, yeah, the, the, got the right financial aid package. Uh, it was the right environment. Close to a big city because I uh, Philadelphia is awesome. Um, and Villanova is like right outside, 30 minutes outside from the city. But you have all the connections that you need to make already there. And you can just, mm-hmm. you know, hop on the train to go to Center City for a weekend, for a business uh, trip, whatever the case may be. Or you might go two hours up uh, to go to New York. So it's very well positioned and it made sense for me. The uh, Comcast Center is lit. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Have you been to Xfinity in, in Philly yet or no? Have you been out there for like an Eagles game or anything? No. Uh, well, no. So, okay. So I've been... Been to uh, Lincoln Financial for the Lacrosse Final Four for because yeah. they always do the, like, the not not for not for not for any Philly pro sport game. Yeah, uh, my buddy Frank, he was my yeah. roommate at Hobart. He plays yeah. well. He did. Play, he plays for the Bandits now, but he was playing for the Philadelphia Wings, the pro indoor box team. Yeah. Um. So in what was it April of 2019? I went to yeah. one of his games, and we they play in Wells Fargo Center where the Sixers play. Yeah. And and afterwards, they we went to the Comcast Center, like the uh, big ass bar that's right there, Xfinity yeah. Live, and all that. Xfinity Live, yeah, yeah. In yeah, that place is a madhouse. Yeah, did you Billy's, ride the bull or no? Uh, no, I didn't ride the bull. No, he wanted me to, but I was like, I can see I'm, you riding the bull for sure. <laughs> bro, no, no, dude. Anytime I rode the bull was either I did it once in Milwaukee when I was visiting my friend Grace. I did it in this bar and i did it obviously everyone does it at bourbon but the thing is i never like, did it at bourbon never did it at bourbon yeah no see like i i've learned my lesson like anytime i'm riding a bull i'm fucking three sheets to the wind and then when i get <laughs> off i'm like yo i i feel like i'm about to yak everywhere so I'm like <laughs> I, I, i'm like it ruined it for me but no philly's like a lit city so like prior to going to villanova just for because you know anyone that's listening that's contemplating law school or knows someone yeah. that's thinking about law school you know mm-hmm. good insight they yeah. Part of your decision go, hey, Philly's a good city. There's a lot yes. of money within the city. I yeah. kind of know what I want to do. So kind of like me, like we've talked about it. Like when I got into real estate, like I want to get into luxury real estate one day to going to Boston. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's money there. So yes. it's like there's no luxury in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I'm not shitting on Buffalo, but there's no million dollar properties floating around 24-7 in Buffalo. Like they don't move yeah. like that here. Yeah. So so, you know, you always knew what exactly you wanted to do and stuff. Did that play a role into it? For those that want to go to law school but aren't necessarily sure what exactly that law they want to do, what would be your recommendation be towards that? So I think uh, two things. I think to your comment that I always knew what I wanted to do, this part, that's partially true. Okay. I think I knew I, I always wanted to – I, I knew I wanted to be in a position where I can make a difference and be contributing something um, to my community and be contributing something to my family. Um, like, like I mentioned before, I majored in political science with an IR concentration. And so graduating at that, what are you going to do with that? You, what are you going to go work for a campaign, work in some, someone's mayor, like someone's uh, government office. That's not going to pay you much. And, you're going to be putting in some some tough, long hours and not reaping the benefits of your labor. And so law school make the most, made the most perfect sense to 
get more skills, get more skill set, and definitely raise the floor of my income potential. Um, and so deciding to go to law school, like I said, was the next logical next step. But figuring out how to get there, test design, taking the LSAT, figuring out how to, um, when the LSAT was, what books I needed to get, that came from, one, having a friend that already did it. So I was exposed to the process. And then um, just putting the time in to make it happen. Um, mm-hmm. So I just want to take a big shout out to my friend, uh, one of my closest friends from Mercy Hurst, Sam Leoy. He went to Ohio State for law school. Um, and he, so he was a year above us. I think he was, he was the year Valedictorian, yeah. right? He was the class speaker for you guys. Um, yeah, and we were part, we were part of student government. Huh? I had one class with him and he gave like a little, like uh, presented, like, cause you know how political science classes, you always have to give like speeches and all that yes. shit in class. Yes. Speech the one day and I was just like, yep, yep not doing law school. <laughs> <laughs> that, that man has limited, unlimited potential. If he wants to become 100%. governor of Ohio, that man will become governor. If he wants to become president of the United States of America, I guarantee Sam Leoy will, will get it done. That's how much yeah. faith I have in that man. And no, so, I don't even know him like that. And I agree with you. Yeah. Like having, and so it's important to have people that, and I think speaking to your podcast and the purpose of this is having people that know, already know the game, already have some insight and being exposed to them allows you to be able to then follow that path. If you want to take that path. And so he, he, he already was on the path and I was like, Hey, this is something I want to do. Um, what books do I need to get? What resources do I, should I be looking into? And so he kind of gave me the playbook. And I was like, I, I, he's, he's foundational to where I am right now. Yes, I wanted to go. I wanted to, like I said, wanted to ha- in, be in a position to give impact and do all these things. But it's important to have someone that is able to help shape that vision f- with you and for you. And he was that for me. How, and before we get back into law school, it's one something that I wanted to ask you. How important, because I don't think a lot of kids do it, but or I don't want to say kids, but I don't think a lot of people do it because they're afraid to. Yeah. How important do you think it is finding someone that is where you want to be and just simply yes. being like, yo, what did you do? How did you do it? What do I need to focus on? Because obviously, like, we, you know, we'll get into it a little bit, but like when we've talked that me and you have had conversations about, you know, like building wealth and investing yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. There was, there's a lot of times where like even Diana's just like, John, pump your brakes, like get off YouTube. And I'm like, no, like, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, no, for yeah. And this from people that already got bread like that. Like, yes, I'm just passing the information along. So, yes. like, and it's kind of like almost in a way, like you get the cheat sheet to a test. Yes. And I know, and I knew when you were talking about Sam, that's what you were implying. So how important do you think that it is for people to do that and have no shame in doing it? If you have shame in, in, in asking for advice, asking for someone to be a mentor, your success, if you, if you ultimately become successful will be so much harder than it actually had to be. And the journey Mm -hmm. will be lonely and tiring. If you find people that are that are are in a position that where you want to be and you ask them um not ask them for hey what exactly do I need to do but like what what like what steps do I need to take potentially every step every everyone's journey is different and I'm sure I'm sure my steps are not the same as Sam's steps but at least I knew what to expect and what I should be looking for the the signpost the cheat sheet along the way um and so if you're not having a, a team of advisors so I like to call the people that I that I talk to my board of directors. I imagine mm-hmm. myself as a corporation. Mm-hmm. Making decisions is all about who can I go to 
to give me insight about what the right play is. Should I accept yes. this job? Is that a good enough salary for the position I'm, I'm taking? Am I making the right decision? And you, you can choose to take that advice, yes or no. That's ultimately your choice. But it's good to get that insight. And if you're not asking for the insight, you're ceiling, you're capping your potential uh, at a very low ceiling. And you're doing yourself a disservice. So like I said, uh, it's kind of going back to the shame and pride thing. It's about learning who you are and realizing you might need help and shedding that, that baggage of shame and pride and, and asking the people that uh, are in those positions of where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And for you, um, what was Same what his last school experience was like? What yeah. was Sam even brought he... me out for for uh, so he brought me out for the Ohio State Penn State game. He showed me around the campus. Like he, this man like opened up his arms to me, and I was like, "That's uh, he's gonna be a brother for life." Because he didn't have to do that. He could have graduated Mercyhurst and be like, "All right, bet." This is a nice friendship that we had, and that was it. But he was like, "I I see that you want to pursue this. Let me invite you out." show you around the campus. This is what I, this is my, what my day to day is like. Um, is this something that you actually want to do? And ultimately I made a decision that yes, it was something I wanted to pursue. Ended up at Villanova and the rest is history from there. You know, dude, Ohio state is like fucking Disneyland, <laughs> bro. I, 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 so it was the, like I said, it was the Ohio state Penn state game. And the year before, I think it was trace had, had beaten, had somehow gotten, uh, Penn State to, uh, to beat Ohio State, and so it was, it was a get back year. And I'm uh-huh. I'm not from Ohio, but I'm a I'm a Buckeye fan through and through. Like I bleed, I bleed uh, for Ohio uh-huh. State. Um, and so I, going going there for me was like one for checking out law school, but also going home to the mecca. And I felt I felt the energy. I was like, yo, this is this is so cool. Um, and they ended up beating the crap out of Penn State. And we stormed the field. I still have the, the video and stuff. We stormed the field. I was jumping over, like, freaking all the seats to get down to the field. We had to, like, run downstairs to get to the field. It was at that the moment the memory lives in my mind constantly. And I'm, I am I thank Sam for that. And Ohio State, go Buckeyes. Always, I'm, maybe I'll send my kids to Ohio State, for God's sake. That's how much I love the school. So we'll see. Yeah, no. <laughs> Like, uh, my grandparents lived there, so like I always grew up an Ohio State fan. And then when I was yeah. at Hobart, when I was at Hobart, we got to play Ohio State in lacrosse at Ohio State. They probably Connecticut. waxed you guys. No, they only beat us by, by they only beat us by a goal. Really? Yeah, yo, Hobart. Oh, good for you guys. Not, yeah, no, Hobart's not bad. Hobart's probably like I would say like mid to upper. Yeah, like they'd probably be like floating around. They've been ranked numerous times. Like I probably wow. say they're like. I'd probably say they're anywhere from like uh, 20th to 25th. Yeah. So not like horrible, but that's um, dope. But yeah, no, dude, that experience was just fucking like I didn't play that game. I was a freshman. I was my yeah. ass was parked on the sideline, but like yeah, the experience of it was fucking crazy. So I couldn't even imagine like going going to school there, uh, just like a normal. Yeah. Being um, in the in the horseshoe, like it's a, it, it's something about it, the, the experience that. It's just ridiculous. I can't. I can only imagine. Yeah, can mm-hmm. only imagine. And um, you know, kind of going back to the law school aspect. What was your yeah. experience like in law school? Was it ex- is what is it, was it exactly what you thought it was? Was it a little bit more than you thought it was? Like the workload and like everything. Like what the workload? Like, for, yeah, like obviously, <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I laugh at that because you know, like I can only imagine how crazy it is. But like for someone that's like, hey Jonah, like I'm thinking about law school. What was your yes. experience like? And what are the pros and what are the cons? Okay, so the law is is uh, man-made. It's a beautiful thing. We all agree to be self-governed by the law, and it's great to learn about how these things work. 
Um, and so when it comes to law school, it's, you already have your undergrad experience, whatever you had your undergrad experience in, but then you come to law school and then you got to kind of get to learn how the system works, the internal organs of it all, what holds up our constitution, what holds up our democracy, what holds up, um, what allows business to run, businesses to run, uh, what allows you to be employed, all these things. And it's, it's awe inspiring that human beings, one, have developed this system, have agreed to, to work on this system, and we continue to do it. It's a, it's a work of, we should commend ourselves for that. Um, when it comes to the actual study of the law, the ins and out, the day in and day out of doing the work, it's hard and the days can be long, but like I said, you rise to the occasion. It's manageable. You learn where to put your effort. So when I first got to law school, there was this need for, I had a desire of wanting to like read every, every word of every case of every book that the, that the teacher, that the professors would assign. And, and at some points that is, uh, that is necessary and worthy. Um, and some professors will try to catch you because they'll, they'll, they'll ask you a question about like a footnote. I'm like, bro, I'm not reading any footnotes. This, this case is like 40 pages long. I'm not going to read a, a freaking footnote, but um, they kind of prepare you because sometimes in practice, a case will hinge on a certain footnote. So it's okay. kind of just like them trying to teach you the ropes sometimes. But other times I'm like, you're just trying to catch people for no reason. Cause that foot was no, it's not going to be important on the final. Um, but getting back to the core of like uh, doing the work, it's like, you're reading cases all the time. Um, you're going to be tested on them in, in class. And the, te- the professor, fundamentally what they say is more important than what you read in, in, te- in the textbook because that's what they're going to test you on. Their words are is, is the Bible for you, not what the, 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 the case says or the textbook says because they're, they're the ones picking out what they think is most important for you to understand. Um, and that's something that I had to learn to um, get the speed with is that Yes, I can read everything, but if I'm not understanding what the professor is saying in class, I'm missing um, half the points of of this game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to train my mind to say, okay, and train myself at better note taking because I got through Mercyhurst being a horrible note taker. Like I, I was not the best note taker at Mercyhurst, but I was able to get the job done. But in law school, you you're, you have to find get find a system, build a system for yourself. And then stick to that system and hone that system so it works for you in terms of preparation for um, for class and stuff. Um, but I, I, my first year, the first year, I feel as though it's a test. It's the battle because you you don't you've never learned the way um, this way before the Socratic method. You've never learned about the law before in this kind of way, and it takes time for your brain for you to catch up and like, okay, this is what I need to pick out the case. This is what's important. Um, and it takes time to learn that system. Um, so if someone's thinking about going to law school, if you, if you have success in undergrad, I commend you. So celebrate that. Enjoy that. But come in the, to law school with a fresh slate. You're going to have to earn your keep again. You're going to have to prove yourself to yourself again. Um, it's a new, it's a new um, domain for you. And be okay uh, failing initially. Pick yourself up. There are going to be days where you get called on in class you just won't know the answer and you have to be like prof can you can you ask someone else i don't know and it's be okay saying those words because a lot of people i've seen them in class and they just flounder because they don't want to say the word say those words but it's be okay uh not knowing and if you don't know that time put it on yourself so that next time you will know 
next time you'll be you'll have that answer for the professor and you'll get better each and every time so you're not you don't feel as though you're unprepared or anything like that so I, hope, I think I hope that I hope that answers your question. No, yeah, no, it does, it does. And what are the cons of law school? And I don't mean cons, and cons, and like yeah. where I wasn't prepared for this. Yeah, so I, I think it's two folds. There's a personal aspect and there's the academic aspect. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. the personal as- aspect first. I am an immigrant. Uh, like I said, came to the United States when I was seven. No one in my family has gotten an advanced degree. I, I, was, uh-huh. I was also the first in my family to get my undergrad degree, to get my bachelor's. So that was a, a, an achievement in, in, in of itself. And so getting to law school and graduating law school, I was like, okay, I, I am I'm moving differently. And yes, I have people like Sam that have been through the process, but in terms of my personal um, relationships, I don't know, I can't call my dad and like, hey dad, uh, you went to law school, um, what should I do about this and these other things? So it's like contending with that um, unknown of like, can I do this? Am I, am I built? Do I have the capacity, personal capacity to do this? Because um, no, fa- no one else in my family has done it. Who do I think I am that I think I can do this? And it's mm-hmm. overcoming that, that personal thing of like, I had success at Mercyhurst in undergrad. Fuck yeah, I can do this. I've done all these things. I'm, I, I know I can. I'm going to rise to the challenge of getting the job done. And reminding yourself of that fact. Um, so that's the personal aspect. And so the academic aspect is um, is that supplements. So there are things called supplements in, in, in law school that you kind of uh, use to help you study for exams. They're expensive. They're like $60 a pop for a, 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 a book that helps uh, explain something better. $70 a pop for something else, $100 a pop. And the textbooks themselves are also $200, $300 a pop. And I come from a lower middle class background and that's like being generous. So I didn't have the resources to buy supplements or know that they even existed in that way for me to be using them. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to law school, I thought I had to just like figure it out for myself. But yes, I figured out ultimately there's the library you can go to get supplements from. But also, and also the fact that it's just also it's just a, a racket that you have to pay so much for your textbooks. I'm already mm-hmm. paying a ton of money for my tuition. And on top of that, I got to go buy extra books to help teach me the things I'm supposed to be learning in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, it's, this is this game is rigged against lower income people, like fundamentally. Like, and my, I had friends that they had all the newest, the brand new supplements of that year. And I was used, I would go to the library and get supplements from the year past because. I'm not going to go out and spend money in my pocket to buy uh, a book that's just a year newer. Um, and so it's being okay with the fact that I'm not going to have the newest thing academically. And that's fine because it's all the same. But realizing that if I had more money in my pocket, I maybe I could have had some more uh, some more resources that um, other people might have had. Not to, no, not to knock them for it. Not to knock them for it, but it's just like no, you know, no, the game. No, of course the game. Not. If you have, if you have the right money, and if you have the if you have the money and you have the the ability to use that money to your advantage already, you're you're light years ahead of the game, and um and it kind of compounds up on itself. One hundred percent. And this kind of like segues into the the thing I wanted to ask you about, like Fifty Cent and like the the Breakfast Club. So how I mentioned whether like when we first started recording, me recording. 
you know, you've never said it to me, but you've like made jokes to me before about like, damn, bro, why don't you just drop out? You ain't going to pay attention. Like, look, like, stupid things like that. But like, that's yeah. our relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was never like you were shitting, shitting on me. But yeah, hell no. Uh, having like business mentors and, and you know, P- me having no shame. Like I was just telling one of my lacrosse coaches the other day, he was asking me about like investing and stuff like that. And I, he was just like, Hey, he's like, Hey, what do you have? And you're talking about some things that I have and my money's tied up in and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, well, well, he was asking me, he's like, well, where'd you learn this? And I said, yo, it's going to sound crazy. I said, but if I see someone driving a Lambo or I see someone driving a Bentley, like something crazy that you're like, like all right, that dude, perception of like that dude has money yeah. i have yo what do you like i don't i don't do i straight up i'm like hey like if you don't mind me asking i'm like uh i come out right away and i'm like yo my goal is to be that big dreams um um mm-hmm. what assets what you do, how did you make your money and yeah ask like what you do and yeah are, that, like it's the people that like are ha- have that syndrome of like I, I got my money I want to fucking stick it to everyone that made fun of me when I was younger yeah fuck yourselves whereas like the people yeah like are like oh well I want to they like will tell you and it of like yo school in a way is like isn't teaching us the proper things that we need to mm-hmm. learn based on our circumstance and so like yeah. going to the bre- how I mentioned the breakfast club thing with 50 cents said that if um Everyone that went to be successful business, there'd be way too many successful people in the world. And he was saying yeah. how how if the professor teaching you at a business school knew how to learn, knew how to run a successful and profitable business, they wouldn't be in that business. <laughs> so, and it yeah. and it's kind of like a double edged sword because it's like you got to be careful about how you you got to be careful and delicate about how you ta- ta- touch and t- teach these things because yeah, the way that I come across with people when i talk about it is like well it's a waste of time it's a waste of money you ain't gonna learn shit go do this 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 really 50 cents trying to say like hey figure out what you want figure out what you got to do and mm-hmm. school necessarily isn't going to give you that blueprint because school is a tool teach you, it's a tool yes and i definitely think that if it wasn't for college and traditional education that mm-hmm. i would have the mentality the and the um, intellect to go about and think about these things because you do learn critical thinking you do learn how to debate without having your emotions be all hot and, mm-hmm. and tied into it you understand how the real world works you understand basic economics of things um and stuff like that but to 50 like okay he is a natural born hustler he's mm-hmm. a businessman because that's how he grew yeah. up he had to survive yeah. the street mm-hmm. talks about how and I've heard other people talk about this too, about how people that like, you know, when they're younger, Jay-Z talks about it all the time that he learned business from selling crack because mm. he learned, okay, I have a niche market. I have a product. I got to scale Supply it. Supply and demand, I, baby. So, but yeah. So um, like Nipsey Hussle talks about it. All right. Yeah. The great. Um, yeah. 50, 50 cent talks about it and stuff like that. And you see that a lot of business minded people, they aren't good with the, to study this chapter, report back to me. They're like, yo, I, I need to learn how to make money by mm-hmm. myself like mm-hmm. create an economy within myself versus mm-hmm. relying on someone else mm-hmm. so with people oriented or geared toward business and stuff like that how do you think that schools could be offering or doing better things to be like if this is what you are thinking you people learn more about themselves and know themselves and kind of yeah. you know i'm kind of 
all over the place here, but what you were no, how, how I said college is a scam, you were yeah. just saying that you being generous lower class background. Well, yeah. I don't believe unless I'm wrong and I'll leave it to you, but I don't believe it's ever a car based on your economic stats, this is what law school is, this is what it's gonna look what these supplements are gonna look at. Maybe you should take a year off intern at a law firm, mm-hmm. see if you really, really wanna do this because Yeah. It's gonna be sixty k. Yeah, it's gonna be this. It's yeah. gonna be this. It's gonna be this. You're so over the course of three years, you're racking up one hundred and twenty k worth of debt on top of your mm-hmm. undergrad. Grad, you're looking yeah. at. I don't know. I don't. I'm medical numbers. Here. So yeah. you're looking at by the time that you graduate, that you're gonna start off at forty k, but your living expenses are about twenty. So you're only netting twenty at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take you, I don't know, 15 to 20 years to pay that off, and you're going to be paying yeah. it at a rate of $100 a month. That yeah. significantly and keeps yeah. you not in a not, uh, systematic yeah. way, but it significantly yeah. puts you behind the eight ball compared to someone that got a full scholarship or comes from a back money already. Yeah. Money already, where, at, like, do you think that these? Go to school, probably not. He's going to teach him, like like Snoop Dogg's kid. I'm pretty dropped out of UCLA and started his own business. And I've pretty, yeah. like, seen in comments people being like, must be nice to have a famous dad. But I've also seen, um, I also saw um, a, a video that I'll cast of uh, Snoop in the studio with Kobe. And, and, and he's, he's like, he's like, and he's just like, look, you got, I'll help you, but I ain't giving you money. You got to figure it out on your own. And he yeah. basically was like, once I learned how to make money, I realized school wasn't for me. So yeah. kind of looping off, what is your thought on those? Yeah. Schools, schools can kind of promote that. Um, because yeah. I, ultimately, school just keeps rising, and the, the, the degree is becoming more and more diluted because you have more kids mm-hmm. going. Yeah, because I think the world's society is demanding that they go to school when a lot of these professionals, a lot of jobs don't fundamentally need you to have a freaking degree for you to get to because your day-to-day workings of the job you don't need to have a bachelor's in anything and it's ridiculous that some employees require it um but i i i'm a big proponent like i said of of schools uh and i think like i said they're tools they're tools to be used you can only get so much out of them that you decide to i think in the case of people like 50 cent and snoop that are now in a position to send their kids or not send their kids to school is the fact that they can send their kids to school and they won't have to come out with any debt or anything like that. And if they, uh, and if they do, if their kid decides they doesn't want, they do want to go to school, that kid has the potential, hopefully no varsity blues types, uh, uh, mishaps in, in terms of their paying their kids to get into, high, into a, a good school, but their kid could probably get into a, one of the best schools in the country. And that mm-hmm. then helps them steamroll their success from that point forward. Uh, in terms of uh, the way schools can better equip people uh, to be more entrepreneurial and be more money-minded, I, I think you're asking schools to do something that sometimes is a, one a resource thing and one not their mission. Some schools, I think, because um, most schools, their tagline to why you should come to my university is, this is our graduation employment rate. We get we get people into jobs. 
Mm-hmm. You, I know. And I, and I think that's what that's what drives many schools is that are our graduates being employed? And if that's their mindset of, hey, we just want to train you enough so you can get a job, they're never going to change. But at Villanova, I've realized that with resources comes the potential for them to change that. At Villanova, I saw that they had a lab dedicated just for people that wanted to potentially start their own business. And so I immediately hit that up. I was like, yo, let me, let me go see who these kids are and if I can make any connections here. Um, so if I think ultimately it's one uh, a mission thing, like if, if universities are just trying to get kids employed and two, do you have the resources to have an uh, entrepreneurial lab, a uh, think tank lab that kids can then join um, if they don't, if yes, on top of your school, but also gives you an opportunity to be, also be thinking about building your own business, which I think is beautiful. And I was like, I wish I Mercy has had a entrepreneurial lab where I could have worked on building a startup or building a company while I was, while I was in school, learning all these different things and being all these different people. Cause that's when it's most important when you're meeting all these, cause connections is business is all about your connections you have. And so Fact. I can build a business with, with my buddy who's also studying something that he finds is going to take off. And we can work on that together while we're still in school. Imagine that. Imagine how powerful that is. And I'm sure Villanova has probably created a ton of millionaires and billionaires because they have that, um, the resources to equip their kids with it. With the alumni network, too. Our, like, I know that's, our, a, big, that's their, a big selling Their alumni point. network is ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And they have one of the best business schools in the country. And it's all about they have the resources to equip their kids with that. And I think that's beautiful. So I, I think that would be my take on that. It's a matter of what the mission of the university is. Are they just seeing themselves as a conduit for getting kids into into, into jobs? And two, uh-huh. do they have the resources to um, better uh, serve kids that want to start their own business? Mm-hmm. And yeah. what about from a more basic and general standpoint of like um, teaching kids about uh, personal finance, budgeting, economic taxes, stuff. Yeah, and that's, stuff like that? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's also there, that also comes from the household too. You know what I mean? Yes, but there's there's a business there's a business model that is hinging on people not knowing those things. So fact. So <laughs> it sounds like it's anti. Um, it's like it's nefarious, but I don't think it's intentional. But it's just the way it's a uh, supply. You don't know until you already in there. You're like, oh, oh, now I have this debt. How am I going to pay it? Oh, I need to get a job now. I wish I had known mm-hmm. the economics of like, hey. Maybe I should, like you said, take a year off or maybe I should maybe think about doing a trade instead. You don't know until you're in it. But the university themselves, they 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 need you not to know for them to be able to do their, do their thing, which is part of, of like, the, it's a it's a very uh, it's it's a double edged sword, like you said. No, of course. And like I said, like, I've been fortunate that like my mom put like when I was in high school, she's like, yo, if you're not getting like I got school covered through yeah uh, scholarships grants stuff yeah. like that but like, i want scholarships for sure yeah and she was just like if you ain't getting if you're not getting this yeah. is when you graduate this is how much money you're gonna have to pay back so yes um this is why i'm on your school like mm-hmm. in high school of course and i was like oh okay that makes sense and then like yes. i applied myself on our society that there was See, I knew you because, could do it. I knew. I always know you. You have the potential in there. You just don't want to do it sometimes. Well, no, because that's how. That's how. Like that's how. I, I've always been that way. I'm always like, wait a second. Okay, if I don't like doing something, but I have to do it, why? Why yeah. do I have to do it? And then it's kind of yeah. like, like, um, 
like I like how people joke and say C's get degrees. Like once I knew that it does not matter what you got in school, most people don't require your um transcript stuff like that anymore once they start yeah. getting away from that i was like yeah. that okay i'm gonna yeah. do, i'm gonna do what i gotta do to pass because yes. i already know what i want to do and yes. i'm gonna take that risk and chance and bet on myself because mm-hmm. i know that if it doesn't pan out i ultimately am the jackass because i let all those valuable years go to waste mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah but i also at the same time i i i took that risk yeah so it's like i have no one to blame but myself whereas yeah I have these conversations with other people and they're like, you're a fucking idiot. And I'm like, okay, well I don't say this to them, but I think in my head and I'm like, okay, well you also are the same type of person that would never take a chance on yourself. Yeah. So, you got betting yourself some way, somehow. Yeah, so it's like, it is what it is. You know what I mean? But yeah, um, it, it, yeah I just don't like, I, I just think that there's a very like, kind of like when I was talking with Diana, there's a very like one track mind and thought when you're yeah. in school and yeah. when you're outside of school the only thing people are really thinking of of like who i'm hooking up with where are we getting lit tonight yeah. and like that which is which look it's fine we've all been there we're all young and that's yeah. what you do when you're young yeah. but i don't i just personally think that there would be there would be a um like a better turnout Mm-hmm. and i don't know and, and better turnout in terms of uh you know people's happiness people's yeah. job security and all that if yeah. these were at least conversations that yes. are being out there versus like hey um there's only there, there's only one there's only three grades your first paper your midterm and your final good mm-hmm. luck most yeah. kids are like oh holy fuck holy fuck you know what i mean <laughs> yeah but no i've always been that way like if i if i'm about something i'll go fucking 120 miles down it yeah once once you find the path it's just like all engines go yeah and it's not a matter of like oh fuck that's a big mountain to climb it's like okay baby step it but we're gonna get there yes we're gonna get there i I Um, think i i I would want to add to that is uh that what i was gonna say something to the regard that um never mind i lost it i forgot i was gonna say yeah (laughs) never mind (laughs) <laughs> all right well if it comes back you'd say it but yeah um you know kind of like wrapping things up here yeah um uh, i you know i gave, i mentioned it before we started recording because most people when i say it to them they're like oh fuck and they like kind of pause which if you got to think about it it's fine but yeah if um if you could go back in time and you could meet your younger self today mm-hmm. and the oldest that you are is 18 the, yeah like about to enter college but you could be even younger if you want it's up to you yeah what would you tell yourself about the ups and downs in life and yeah. then what would you tell yourself about all the things you've experienced in life yeah to wrapped up in one to carry with you moving forward in life i think the broad theme for me is this so this quote i i've picked up from my my grandmother had this in her basement um on a on this piece of artwork it's always stuck with me um, it's that it goes, uh, friendship divides our grief and doubles our joy. And initially when I was younger at 18, 16, 17, whatever the age was, I was like, oh, that's cute. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's cute. And I was like, yeah, that's cute. But I think, I think a theme that we've kind of talked about is relationships are so important. They help to define who we are. They help us to define ourselves. They help us to build businesses and build networks and really make life fulfilling. And you can only have, you not only, but it's hard to have a fulfilling life without good relationships. And so if I can go back to my younger self, I'd be like, uh, I'd tell myself, work on building good relationships. They matter. Mm -hmm. 
yes, working hard matters. It does. You have to do the, you have to do the work. Um, but the work becomes more manageable, becomes more enjoyable when you have people there helping you carry the load, helping you helping you through the hard times, being a ear to speak to when you're down, when you're doubting yourself, you have someone there in your corner to talk you up like your mom did, to talk me up mm-hmm. like my grandmother did. Relationships are important and work on building those. Absolutely. I love it. So um, for anyone that's listening that liked anything you had to say um, or wanted to hit you up about anything, law school, anything like that, um, what is your, because I know you ain't about to give out your number on here. You crazy dude. <laughs> I was going to say, don't, wild. Fuck, don't Yeah, yeah. I was like, don't, don't fuck your number. You'd be starting to get prank calls. <laughs> but uh, like, what's, uh, what's your Instagram? I mean, I'm going to tag you when I post this, but like, yeah. what's your Instagram so people can find you in case they have, uh, you know, tag- they want to reach out or anything. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, relationships are important. Reach out to me no matter what. I, I would love to see anyone interested in pursuing law school um, and all that stuff or in, with anything in life. Just connecting, is, I think, is important. Um, mm-hmm. I'm on LinkedIn. So Jonah Jackson on LinkedIn. And then Instagram is Jonah Jackson, all, you know, one word. And then it's underscore uh, Jonah Jackson underscore. Love it. And then yeah. uh, what uh, what you got, like a little, uh, like a Villanova poncho you had on? I saw on your Snapchat. Um, Insta, yeah, I was, I was, I'm flexing the Villanova poncho right now. We got them. It's like a cozy that we got uh, this past semester. Um, they were doing like a lot of giveaways because we weren't um, in person. And so uh, they gave us like a lot of a lot of cool gear. And I'm just chilling in it today. It's been really nice. Yeah, given the, co- the, given the, the weather today, it's been really nice just to chill in. Yeah, no, cozy season's the best season because you got the like <laughs> the baggy swag too, where it's like it's comfy but it's also baggy. Like yes. you gotta rock the baggy swag, but <laughs> but <laughs> all right, yo, I know you're super busy these days doing all the things you're doing. So I appreciate you taking out the time to do this and uh post it up in your your closet. <laughs> your I'm closet. still in the closet, man. All for you. <laughs> if... <laughs> I respect that, just so it doesn't echo. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, so um we'll definitely touch base soon and then um We'll have to figure out a way to connect one of these days or uh, sometime soon. Definitely, Red. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to connecting again. All right, my man. I'll talk to you later. I appreciate it. Peace.